I want to thank my sponsor, Viva. Viva, thank you so much for making this show possible. Viva is here to change the game. They have electronic regulatory documents for sites for free with no commitment, no contract. I just signed up my site, Yuma Clinical Trials. No contract needed, nothing signed. They they just approve your email address and that's it. You're up and running with an electronic regulatory system, which is a great way if you haven't gotten into electronic anything yet. You need to consider it. It's it's free. Over 450 sponsors are using Viva for their backend stuff. Electronic signatures here, electronic uh, delegation of authorities log, all for free. Viva is going to keep giving sites free stuff because they're very site-centric. They they know that if they help empower the sites, even more sponsors are going to use their paid products on their end. They are the sponsors after all, so they pay for things. And they understand that making sites take control of their electronic systems is a huge first step. It's a huge commitment for sites, even for something that's free. And they're here to make it easy, and they're playing the long game. And anyways, go check it out underneath the video or the show notes below. Viva Site Vault. Thank you, Viva. Live from an undisclosed location. A Yo. bunker a bunker in Arizona. All right. <laughs> Been taking care of <laughs> We got Dr. Daniel Fox. We have Chris Sauber. Let's remove the branding so Chris gets his own little space. You got your own little safe space there, Chris, right? Not mm. too close, not too far. You're just perfect. Um, hey, hey, Chris, it looks like you're hitting a brick wall there, man. What's going on? Yeah, man, you hit the proverbial <laughs> brick wall. I think yeah, that's actually right. a perfect segue in this uh, <laughs> topic. Got the wrong so, camera on here. <laughs> so you're good, Chris? You're all right? I don't know. Chris looking good. He just disappeared for a while. <laughs> Chris, perfect, man. You look great. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Seems right. like uh, I'm delayed, though. Am I delayed on your end? Surely am on my end. Yeah, hopefully it catches up. Maybe let's remove you and then have you come back, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Well Try to come back, Chris. Welcome, Guru Nation. All right, we're going live. Chris is going to come back. He's having some technical difficulties. Um, Dr. Daniel Fox, you're you're gaining a following, man, which is so important. You know, we need more site advocates. 2023, like, it's super busy. The year is super busy. Um, probably, it could be another record year as far as studies mm -hmm. are concerned. And... You know, this topic is kind of interesting because I'm not necessarily against co companies growing and I'm not one to, uh, you know, like I'm very pro-capitalist. Let me send Chris the link because he said he lost it. So let me send it to him. I'm pro-capitalist. Like I actually think... Like when they bust monopolies, I think it should be rare. Like there are certain cases, like you can make the argument for Amazon, for Google, there, uh, Microsoft back in the day. There are cases where I feel it's appropriate. 
not to get too political. I don't necessarily have an answer for what to do when IRBs get too big. Because most IRBs are private for-profit companies, you know, which is counterintuitive to what most people might think. Because they're thinking of the traditional IRBs with universities and whatnot, where they are usually like local IRBs are usually nonprofit. Uh, these ones in our industry are for profit. So, for profit companies, generally the goal is return share, return equity to investors. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's fine. So now that raises other questions. Should IRBs, even central IRBs, be for profit or not for profit? Not sure. Um, and there's only a few to choose from of these central IRBs. And we're not singling out anyone. They're all, they all seem to be following this strategy at least the big three, the big five, they're all kind of following this path. And when you look at what quietly has occurred over, like since COVID basically mm -hmm. with the m and I mean, there's been a lot of m and in this industry, but the IRBs have also been doing their own fair share of acquisitions. So they've, they've acquired sites, they've acquired steady brokers, They've acquired a bunch of tech companies, a bunch of publications. They are getting away from their core competency. And it almost feels like their core company, core competency, which is the IRB, is a lost leader in the sense that what is one thing that anyone, any sponsor who wants to do a clinical trial needs? IRB. It's like the first thing we tell them when small sponsors come to us and have no clue what they're doing. Hey, you need an IRB. Even if it's a study for one patient, you need an IRB. In many ways, it feels like that's the loss leader in order to drive crazy profits in the other business verticals that they have. And while it's a smart business move, I mean, for sure who can like who can fault their them like if the incentives are there they're not doing anything illegal but the question is is it ethical and i find it very ironic that three guys that go on youtube every now and then and linkedin to have these discussions have to call it out and say hey is it ethical for an ethics committee to be doing this. That's the ironic thing. Because there's plenty of study brokers out there. There's plenty of tech vendors. There's plenty of DCT vendors. That's all fine. Like, let the market decide who's going to win. I'm all for that. But, Chris, we can't hear you. I see you. <laughs> I just saw you right now. He's trying. You're trying. You're trying, man. You're probably on mute. No, I don't think I'm on mute. No, nope, you know? yes, you're good. Okay. Yeah, what were you gonna yeah. say? I was just gonna. So let's let's start there. Like it's gonna let's... seem like we're attacking the IRBs. No, and... 
No, let's start there. Our study right. broker, our study brokers ethical. Um. Yes, because in the contract they are transparent with what mm -hmm. they're offering. Even okay. if some of it's yep. hidden, I was screwed over by a study broker in 05, 06 when I first started my site. But it was my fault. I didn't read the contract. I didn't have an attorney. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just get a study and pay them based on you know, what I get. It's not true. I had to pay them based on what the sponsor told me I'm allowed to enroll. And that's assuming every patient completed the study, which never happens. And by the way, I wasn't able to enroll anyone. <laughs> so I owed that broker as if I completed 10 patients when in reality, I just screen felt like four. So I lost money. I lost good money, probably like 20 none. grand on that study. Also in the fine print for that particular broker, any other study comes from that sponsor within a three-year period, you owe us too. Right. So yep. it's not unethical. It was in the contract. It was maybe predatory. Um. Mm -hmm. It's similar tactics to the check cashing places where they target low income workers. So, so I think the users in the long run would argue that they're unethical potentially, but I would agree with you. If, if everything's in black and white, it's up to the user to determine whether or not they want to use them or work with them. Right. Right. So I wouldn't say they're necessarily unethical, but I would say, eh, I think predatory is a good word. I think, check cashing places i think you know in low income areas all the alcohol stores are kind of predatory um playing on somebody's depression what have you i think that's all kind of one and the same so predatory i i like that word i think that's a good word i would i would call it predatory um but unethical no yeah so these these irbs that are jumping into these other um, revenue streams uh, are predatory. These, these particular predator, uh, pre um, revenue streams are predatory. So is that a good place for an IRB to be that's concerned with ethics? I, right. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This oh, Raymond. Up, this Raymond. brings up Raymond's point, which is, look, Raymond, I agree with you. Because yep. it's in the contract, is it not unethical? Here's the thing. Like, when we're talking about IRBs, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. They're like the pillars for what ethics should be in this industry. Mm -hmm. They always say, I always tell my employees, if I ever promote someone to be a manager of one of the sites, hey, you got to lead by example. Like the other employees are looking at you. Mm -hmm. Well, IRBs are the example for ethics in our industry. So you're right, Raymond. The reason I are, I framed it that way is I'm trying to give them like more before we start bashing them. But you're absolutely right. Like yeah. you can argue it either way. And the point my point is you shouldn't have to make that argument for an IRB, for an ethics yep. committee. Well, and, and let's talk about the formation of an IRB. I mean, we all have to take GCP training. We all know like the, the sad history of clinical research and why we have all the rules in place that we do. And sometimes I wonder and I hope so, sincerely that IRBs take this training and they understand why they are actually formed before they start making a bunch of profit. Now, when you bring up what's happened before in research, right, um, we have what? We have Nuremberg and we have Tuskegee. Mm -hmm. I think we need to add COVID to that too, really. Yeah, 
at, yeah. at some point. Seriously. Right? So, which really, I mean, it's a worldwide pushed on everybody study, um, similar to Nuremberg, which was really just a local or, or mm-hmm. a countrywide so yeah but let's, um, let's not get derailed like the, i understand that, well, yeah when dr fox brought that up it was just like well there's a tangent you could go down for well, an hour. well that's another <laughs> podcast that's not but we had point that, is, that last week uh, let's, let's, let's look at let's look at what irbs point. what do irbs review right we send all these studies to irbs we send them all these forms they have to look at things and make a decision and give us an approval what exactly are they approving what are the roadblocks right are does does the physician have a conflict of interest right financial disclosure forms right you've got regulatory oversight you've got to make sure that we have cvs you've got to make sure that the site is qualified all of these things that an irb is reviewing do you think that we have to have someone review the irb to make sure that they're actually doing their job mm-hmm. have you ever I, i've received these protocols have you ever gotten that the protocol where they want like a liter of blood drawn from a patient over the course of 24 hours, a liter of blood. Well, oh, we're going to get And that's significant. Yeah. And here's the thing that was approved by an IRB. How, um, how many pints are in a liter? Because I think you're only supposed to do two pints at most. It was, yeah, it was a ridiculous hours. amount. How many point, pints are in a liter? Uh, I don't know my metrics right now. I have to look it up. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, so Dan. that's, that's point a is, it's, it's a little over two liters or two yeah. pints a liter. Yeah. So um, I think the general rule of thumb is you can't do any more than two pints in a 48 hour period. Yeah. So it's right on that gray area, right? Because it's, it's a little like the, over. Uh, we're going to push, you know, we're going to see how far we can take it. But the thing is, yeah. that was approved by an IRB. Sure. And do so you guys remember the story of Coast IRB? That might be before both of your time. I don't remember I, that. I think you've told this story, so I don't remember it. I've told this story before, but gather around the fireplace, everybody. Let's go through this real quick. I remember because in 2005, my first study I ever worked on, Coast IRB was the IRB. It was like, oh, perfect. Everything, it was smooth. I had no issues with them. Well, they were a huge IRB the that has this so in, in it took till 2009 they had an fda sting operation so coast irb was like one of the big central irbs at the time they were getting everyone sending their all the sponsors sending them their their protocols and whatnot um they had a government accountability office and warning letter sent so basically the sting operation was that the there was accusations, whistleblowers, that this IRB was rubber stamping every protocol. This is why I'm bringing it up because you brought up that example of like drawing a liter of blood. There were there were accusations; they were rubber stamping every protocol. It got to the FDA or whatever this GAO office is. They submitted a fake study as a sponsor. It was a sting. So they, they were like, "There's no way this should ever get approved." Boom, boom got approved. Got approved. Shut down. I think people went to jail. This was 2005, 2006. It didn't finalize till 2009. Wow. So it was like a long, drawn out battle. So pay pay to play. And do you think IRBs are doing that to this day? So I don't know. That's a risk. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to say this is 
like when we muddy the waters like this, you're supposed to approve protocols. When you also have sites in your network and you also have tech, so you so basically become a one-stop shop for pharma. So other revenue streams outside of ethics. Other revenue streams, which, by the way, make way more than the ethics. Mm-hmm. That's why I said the ethics is like the loss leader. Mm-hmm. It becomes easier. The incentives are all there for ethics to take a back seat to profit. Mm-hmm. And that was with Coast. It was just they were just ethic committee. There was no tech back then. There was no such thing as site network. It was just bread and butter ethics. I yeah. think this issue compounds when you add all this other stuff. And I'm not accusing any IRB of doing this currently, but that but it, risk is there. Sure. Surely could be a slippery slope, which I think many things are in this world, right? Where um, initially everything is fine and dandy and, and everything is uh, up and above board, but it eventually can evolve into something where, hey, it's back to coast and it's pay to play. Right. Is it, not, but is it still yeah. not pay to play though? Like these central IRBs? I mean, they can say that, okay, yeah, we are reviewing well, every protocol. We keep all business units independent because this is their argument now. Yes, we do have site network. Yes, we do have tech, but we keep all these things independent. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's nothing wrong. So there's nothing wrong with a free market, right? In terms of, of, companies getting paid for their work i'm i'm all for that but when you blur the lines then you have problems right so let's throw an example out there how, how could this be a problem well uh if if a sponsor and this still isn't a problem but if a sponsor says um hey we're going to use you company x for your IRB, but that's all we want to do with you, right? And then the IRB says, well, we have these other products and we're not going to work with you unless you use these as well. I don't think that's still infringing upon any patient or potentially infringing upon any patient or comp- I should say compromising any patients, right? Um, because the sponsor still hasn't done any work with them and they can make the decision. Where I think it becomes a problem is like Dr. Fox described, and and a sponsor shopping IRBs for somebody who will approve their marginal protocol in terms of patient safety, and I'm sure that happens, right? <laughs> we know it happens. I mean, we talk to we're a very tiny CRO. We work with investigator initiated trials, and we even see it on our end, like. You know, the IRBs are supposed to have back and forth with the sponsor on, well, this part's not necessarily ethical or it's not in lines. This is after the FDA approves the protocol, then the IRB has to approve it. So we know this happens at a small level. I can't imagine it doesn't happen at a bigger level. I mean, we're only seeing like 0.025% of the total studies (laughs) through our CRO. And it happens already there. So... <clears throat> Should we get into the story, story that I? Yeah, gather around the fireplace, kids. <laughs> Chris got a story to tell. Chris, be very careful. I don't want to be shadow banned. 
or Sue. Neither does Brad or Dr. Fox. <laughs> this is why I did my long preface of, hey, we give them benefit of the doubt. It's sure. not unethical, but it has the potential. I just want sites to come out of this and think twice about who they're getting studies from. And, and welcome aboard, Brad. Glad to see you. Welcome aboard, Brad. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, Brad. I glad I could make it. Sorry. Sorry to uh, come in a little late, guys. Oh, hey, no. Better, better late than never. You just missed a few stories, but no biggie. Okay. We, we compared um, IRBs to predatory. Oh, no. We compared study brokers to predatory lenders in the low-income community. And, and yes. uh, yeah. all, all the all the alcohol uh, stores and shops, mm -hmm. liquor stores <laughs> that, are, that are that are right next door to the to the check cashing places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Which, so... are, which are owned by the same person that owns the strip mall, which <laughs> is actually go. not a bad analogy of what's happening here. Mm -hmm. But let's go, go, Chris. Please tell. Sure. So, um, boy, this is going to be tricky. How do I not get myself in trouble here? <laughs> there, preface. All the IRBs do this or try to do this. The big ones. We um, actually need small ones. I think small is the new big, but then, you know, they have problems to worry about when they get bigger too. Sure. All right. So um, there's this IRB out there that owns a number of different um, companies. Uh, as do many. As do right. many. And um, this particular IRB I was uh, negotiating a budget with. Um, not the IRB, but what they do in terms of uh, other revenue. They're also a broker. Um, so negotiating a budget with them, or uh, excuse me, let's start back. A client asked me to negotiate a budget with them. And I'd already negotiated this budget directly with the sponsor for another company. So we, Dan and I run a small, eh, medium size, I guess. I wouldn't say small, medium size site network. Um, there's about 200 plus physicians in the site network, probably 250 if I had to guess. So, um, again, already negotiated for one physician, this particular protocol budget, this particular budget for this protocol. And so one to save time to, um, the, the other site had reviewed the budget and was happy with it. So seemed best just to ask uh this company i was negotiating with just to match this budget and i was pretty certain they wouldn't because they are operating as a broker they get paid through um the site and their work um <clears throat> and i had discussed this with the site and said listen i think we're going to need to give them you're going to get five percent less than this i think that's reasonable right because i'm sure i didn't get every dollar that the sponsor is willing to pay um, so whatever the difference is there, probably another, I don't know, I would guess two to 5% I didn't get for the site that the sponsor would be willing to pay. Um, plus this extra 5%, that's more than reasonable for this, this broker. Anyhow, so I didn't propose that to the broker. I just said, please match, right? With understanding that we'd probably get 5% less, they're going to come back probably with 20%, maybe even 30% less, because I've worked with them previously in this regard. Um, and hopefully we can settle around 5% less than this budget. Well, they weren't even playing that game. They just said, well, yeah, you're breaking confidentiality and we're not going to work with you. Because they, they were being exposed to a budget directly from the sponsor. And they said, Somehow that's breaking confidentiality when they already have all this information. And one of our clients told you, hey, now I see how they operate. Yep. Um, 
Well, actually, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why they like. Look, sites we our site network, they're all independently owned and operated. They do whatever they want. We give them studies here and there as studies sponsors approach us. We do a lot of due diligence on like, is this a scammy sponsor or not? We get approached by a lot of those. We filter, which is another thing we can get into, by the way, because some of these brokers don't do their due diligence on sponsors, but that's another story. And they can get they can get studies from outside of us too. Like they're just independently owned. I do want to clarify one thing you said, though. All of our clients are made aware of a couple of things. One, that we'll negotiate their budgets for them, and vast majority of our clients have us do that. But also, they're aware that oftentimes um, sponsors come to us with studies because we can drastically reduce the timelines in terms of getting sites up and running contract-wise. So one budget, one time, all, st- all sites that they mm-hmm. select from our network. So our clients are aware of that, right? That we'll sometimes negotiate just one budget. And in turn, sponsors seem, I've done this, we've been doing this for almost 10 years now. And I've hundred, literally hundreds of times have negotiated a budget. Again, not necessarily having an agreement with a sponsor that we're going to do this one time. And you've selected a dozen of our client sites, right? But the way that it works out is I'll negotiate a budget one time with a sponsor and then another of our clients will get awarded of that same budget. So what I'll say to them is, hey, I already negotiated the budget. Here it is. Do you want to just ma- match this? The sponsors appreciate that because it saves time on their end. Hey, just match the budget to the site I already negotiated. And no sponsors ever really had a problem with this. I've had that I recall three times over the 10 years or almost 10 years where they said, what's your relationship with these two sites? And I'll just say, we're they're part of our site network. And that's fine by them right it's never mm-hmm. gone beyond that they're like okay they they're just checking at least dan thinks they're just checking to see if it's an smo if which it's is not, not which is yeah. not it's true site network and and we also just charge a monthly fee that's it for our clients we don't take anything from the budget the way the the way most of these site networks operate especially the one we're talking about they're basically brokers called site networks Mm-hmm. is they'll negotiate a master agreement with the sponsor and then they'll negotiate separately with the sites and the arbitrage is theirs to keep. And yep. in this example, the arbitrage was almost 50%, right? It was almost... The no, entire, like, so of- I, I don't want to mislead anybody and I certainly don't want to get sued. But So I went back and actually did the math last night because I know we were discussing doing this video just to make sure that I was stating everything uh, correctly. So the initial budget proposed by this broker was 20% give or take because there was there's four different arms to this budget. It was approximately 20% um, less than the initial budget proposed by the sponsor itself, right? So I can't say because they kicked me out. Uh, they're not going to negotiate with me. I can't say what the difference is between what the sponsor paid and what the broker paid in finalized budget, right? But the initial budget was 20% less. So I assume that's the arbitrage they're going for, 20% less. They're probably willing to negotiate to a degree, which I have negotiated with this particular broker a number of times. Um, They do negotiate... If I had to guess, the final budget would be somewhere between 20 and 50% less. 
Now, for for a client that's not going to negotiate at all, for sure, it's 50, maybe even 60% less, right? If they don't negotiate at all. Because you're usually going to get about, you know, depending on the sponsor and the broker, you're going to get a, a 20 to 40% on average increase in your budget through mm -hmm. negotiations. Mm -hmm. So if you leave that on the table, you're talking upwards of 60% if you don't negotiate at all. Mm -hmm. So while this is a business practice that like it's been around forever or since I started research, the question is, is it appropriate for an IRB, even though they say they keep all their things separate to engage in this kind of business or should they focus on their core competency? I mean, obviously there's a lot more money in the other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Brad, before you joined, I was saying the IRB has become like a loss leader and <laughs> we'll sell the other stuff. We'll just give you that for free, kind of like Gillette with the uh, razor blade <laughs> <laughs> refill. What do you guys think about this? Like the bigger picture? I mean, I, I've seen the same the same thing, and I'm pretty sure it's with the same uh, unnamed uh, client, or let's say unnamed person, an unnamed group, uh, where we had uh, working with a local site. We had a budget, they had a budget, and ours was twice theirs, and they worked through through the broker. I mean, but I think it's definitely a legitimate question to say, is this a, look, shouldn't, should IRBs not be objective? Uh, and if so, I mean, does this uh, call into question their objectivity in some way? I mean, look, at the very least, it's clearly screwing sites over. I mean, we, I don't think we can question that, which I think is a poor, obviously a poor long-term <laughs> uh, well, you know, thing. So to... to to be fair and play devil's advocate here, and Dan brought this up prior to joining us, Brad. Um, to be fair, sites know what they're getting into, I would think, right? In terms of nope. the language. <laughs> nope. So maybe not with this particular one. So if you're working directly with a broker and you sign a contract with a broker, and I don't know if you sign a track, a con I don't know, I didn't ask the sites, have they signed a contract with this particular broker? Um, I didn't ask them directly. I assume they have. Um, but if you're working with a broker, it it outlines what the arrangements are within that contract, within that agreement. So as Dan put it, it's predatory, which I would agree with, right? It's not unethical, but it is predatory. Because if you're taking 30% of what the, 30% basically of the, of the site's work, the doctor's work, the site, that's somewhat predatory, right? You're taking 30% of the revenue generated off their work. Yeah. I, I almost wonder, and this is something you could talk about, but because of what this money is going to, that predatory aspect is, it could be unethical. That money should be going to the patients and it's not. It's filling someone else's pockets. When you say going to the patient, how? Well, through the services that the sites provide. Okay. What I'm saying is, so you don't as mean a direct payment. no, no, but as a result of the predatory uh, actions, you are actually generating underfunded studies. In other words, you're, you're making it so that the sites have to do work without the resources they need to do it. And then as a result, you're compromising everything. You're compromising the trial, you're compromising the sponsor, you know, and PI uh, oversight. Yeah. You're, well, you're cut, you know, you're cutting everything when I you cut the resources. I don't know if I directly agree with that. I do agree with it, but not as the way you pose it. What I would think is what happens if 
I think this directly harms the sponsor, honestly, because yeah. because sites, if they're not getting paid enough money, they're not going to do the work. They're just not going to do the study. They're not going to recruit for the study. That's what this boils down to. So if if the broker takes too much money and the sites are not making money off of doing this work, they just flat won't do the work, right? Uh, I've had studies where it's just, there's not enough money for here for me to do the work, so I just don't recruit for it. And I think we all have, right? I mean, so yeah, that's a that's owners. a problem. That's a problem. Brokers aside, that's a problem. Yeah. Right, right. But then you add a broker on top of that who's siphoning 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of the revenue right off the top. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the site's going to say, hey, there's just not enough money here for me to do the work. I'm losing money doing this job. Well, and it's usually I'm like not doing newer, it. It's usually newer sites, unestablished sites, and like mm-hmm. Rod saying, you know, it would be good if they gave you support, um, but they've seen brokers that give no support, yeah, and none none after they get you the study. At least some still give you support. That's what we do. I mean, we're not a broker; we charge a monthly fee, but we give you support, and it's really cheap. Like, yeah. it used yeah. to be a thousand a month. Now it's fifteen hundred. But yeah. and have you seen the provisions in some of these contracts from the brokers? Have you seen what they tried to do? Back in 2005, I've seen, I've experienced. <laughs> Chris, Chris, have you seen any of these broker no. contracts? Okay, no. get this. There's there's actually broker contracts out there right now who want a percentage of your annual revenue for every trial that you have. They stock, <laughs> they wow. stock your trial. So when you're awarded the That's trial, hilarious. you have to report to them your enrollment every year and pay them a percentage. So it sounds like mafia that offers protection for the local businesses on the block. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they do it so that you have to work with them. You're not allowed to find research studies anywhere else. Wow. Our brokers, the pimps <laughs> of research. <laughs> Where's my money? Where's my money? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's break it down a little bit more or let's actually zoom out. There's nothing wrong with horizontal vertical integration. The CROs do it. The sites try to do it. Like, look at me and Chris. You know, we started Site Network. There's there's where opportunities naturally occurring. Hey, do you have CRO services? All right, we have one. Do you have training services? Okay, we'll make academies. Nothing wrong with that. CROs own sites. CROs own tech. CROs buy things all the time. I don't know why CROs haven't bought an IRB yet. It's not like they can't or started one. Maybe that speaks volumes to the ethics of this whole thing. The ethic, the ethics committee should be independent of all other services. Is that, is that what you're implying, Dan? Yeah, I mean, why hasn't Ikevia started an IRB? It would make sense. Maybe the money's just not there. Maybe the profit motive's not there for them, right? Sure, but if it's a loss leader, can't they get theoretically get more market share? Sure. How many sponsors we've talked to, just me and you, we're nothing. Sponsors saying, yeah, I can't get it. Like the big IRBs, they cost too much. And the small yeah. ones, they don't answer their phone. Yeah. So what, what do I do? I'm like, hey, just keep calling till someone answers. It's like yeah. how people find realtors. The hey, first one maybe, answers their phone. Maybe we can just let chat GPT be the IRB. <laughs> that would actually could possibly work better than the current setup. Yeah. I mean. And you know what? The being a loss leader, the IRB business being the loss leader, may have a lot to do with the user experience of some of these portals for when poor coordinators actually try to find something on there. So where I 
and we, the four of us discussed this the other day when we weren't going live as we are now, but where I, I think possibly this could lead and where it truly crosses the line of ethical is if, if a broker company owns an IRB or vice versa, um, where this could become unethical for the patient is, is if, if they start approving sites, because what's the purpose of an IRB when they're take that initial submission form from a site is to look, is to review it, review the doctor, the PI and say, okay, there's no problems here with this doctor in terms of ethics. And, and they can dedicate enough time to the study to make sure that the patients are safe. That's their responsibility, right? So if a broker also owns that IRB and they say, well, here's this site, they've had problems in the past in terms of ethics in some capacity, but we're going to go ahead and approve them because we're making such good money off of them. I think that's where the line gets crossed, right? I'm not saying they're doing that, but I'm saying the possibility surely is there. <laughs> and then, and then on top of that, they may eventually get to the point where, you know, we're not going to approve any site unless they're working with us as a broker. So you have two hurdles there to avoid crossing or jumping over um, with the analogy uh, that they really need to be aware of and, and not cross. Right. So you can't, as a broker, you certainly, you surely don't want to limit yourself to only working with sites that are working with you as a broker, because that's crossing a line, I think. And mm -hmm. sur uh, certainly uh, it'll come to that, I think. Um, and then on top of that, you don't want to approve sites that have had problems with ethics in the past. And if you're making enough money off of it, off of this as a broker, I think that'll happen too, as an IRB. So those are the two hypotheticals I think that need to be avoided. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's 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 yeah. fair and too. You know, we if you're let's think about it, what if their partner sites are you know submitting properly reportable information forms at an alarming rate? Are they going to be a little oh more gosh. likely to look the other way because well they're part of our network, so let's not let's mm -hmm. not rock the boat. Let's not give them any additional auditing. Perhaps it, it, it raises yeah, make it, making so great money off of this site. Yeah, yeah, they're want to get them in trouble. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I mean, again, at the very least, there's a pretty clear perceived ability to have a huge conflict of interest. So I don't know. It's it. Yeah. And, like what, it. and what's the conflict of interest? It's it's the patient. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, and we haven't even talked about how these same companies also own and are, you know, in charge of patient recruitment, patient recruitment companies that are also folded up under these bigger IRB umbrellas. I mean, that's a whole other can patient of worms. Patient recruitment, patient reported outcomes, some EDC stuff. And again, not just one IRB, the top three all have I, this. I don't think EDC is a problem. Yeah. There, there's no crossing the line on ethics there. I, I don't see how that would ever play into it. But these other things for sure. Well, oh, right. oh, EDC. I mean, oh, oops, uh, wrong entry. Oops, different data. I mean, come on. You're <laughs> well, what you about know? patient reported outcomes? Yeah. Hey, Let's text Ooh, you the link yeah. to where patient. Let's text you. I had one study where they didn't want us putting the patient's phone number in there. Most of them have you put the patient's phone number, so mm -hmm. they get a text. And you know that's a patient. I mean, you're not supposed to really have that info. They don't have the name or anything, but they do have the data. They do have the phone number. 
again, that's for the vendor. That's also for the vendor. I, I think another aspect of this slippery slope with which we haven't discussed is like Brad said, Hey, you know, do we look the other way? Maybe if it's part of our site network, those are issues as well. Like Chris said as well. But what about if you're not part of their network and they give you a harder time approving your site because, Hey, well, You'd be, we'd feel a lot more comfortable with you if you were part of our network, mm-hmm. honestly. Oh, yeah, now we're talking I about mean, mafia. Yeah, and I mentioned that. I think it definitely, <laughs> eventually, it comes to that, right? We're not going to approve your site unless you're part of our network in which we're getting a, a portion of your generated revenue through the study. So who would win that argument? Sponsor says, hey, we really want this site. Can you use a central IRB? Great. IRB says, hey. I don't think there is. I think if it if it goes down that slippery slope, I don't think there is an argument. I just think what happens is the the IRB positions that site in such a way that the sponsor says, "Okay, well, I guess they're not they're not approved by the IRB because there's something wrong with their ethics." I don't even think there is an argument because the sponsor can't make that argument. Hey, if there's a problem ethically with the site. what are they going to say, right? If the IRB is saying to the sponsor, there's a problem with their ethics, right? With the site's ethics. What What's the argument from the sponsor? Yeah. How are you going to question that? You're not. Yeah. it's in. It, they've positioned themselves in such a way that, yeah, they, they can surely play the mafioso, mm-hmm. right? Hey. So how, how do you handle a corrupt ethics board? I mean, that's what I was going to say. If we keep going down this road, it doesn't mean it's going to happen this way. It's just one alternate reality. It's one, po- it's one, it's one possibility. So if we go down this road, sites that don't want to be part of these networks, they almost have to get local IRBs at this point. So that's more cost for them. Right? And it's more of a hindrance for the sponsor. Sponsors mm-hmm. don't want that happening. There's a reason they like selecting sites that use central irp it's much quicker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly so this there's is all coming why back they like to haunt the sponsor big, there's a reason why they like using these big central irps too because they have like hey we're one-stop shop same with mm-hmm. the cro's the cro's are trying to be one-stop shop which is so, practical it's practical for the sponsor mm-hmm. yeah it's almost funny though how the cro's didn't get into the irb business and the IRBs didn't get into the CRO business, but they got into everything else. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but Yeah, IRBs are running uh, operating CTMS systems, which have patient data accessible, right? I mean, again, there's just a lot to unravel that <laughs> begs so many questions. <laughs> it's and crazy. who's supposed to ask these questions? Or besides mm-hmm. us, I mean, you know, we may oh, have I- a following, but... Like we're not influential on like regulatory. I mean, no, I mean, it's, you know, I I don't see it talked about a lot, you know, in places where we kind of occupy, but again, I was at a conference in Wisconsin and a faculty member for a, you know, university there was admonishing one of the, you know, big central IRBs because of this very issue. So I thought it was Mm -hmm. interesting to see that, you know, people do care and people do notice that this is going on, but I don't think we've heard a, a very big backlash to it and then you know what happens when it's too late they own everything at that point and then you know what what do we what do we do there is a simple solution in my opinion 
the IRB states to a sponsor, hey, if you're going to utilize our other services, you can't utilize us as an IRB and vice mm-hmm. versa. If we're an IRB for you, you can't utilize our other services. It only makes sense. Maybe they do but, that, though. Do we know they might? They, they might. I don't know if they do. Yeah, well, uh, that, that would maybe, make sense. Yeah, it'd be good to understand their protocols for balance of power and things like that. I so I would imagine if they did I would, that. Would you yeah. guys be okay with the rest of this? Uh, I would. That? I would. Yeah, I think so. I think I would too. I think to know, and I guess that's just it. We don't know. We don't know if there's yeah. any, uh, you know, uh, anything in place to to sort of keep these things separated, yeah. other than. An occasional but, conversation, we're like, eh, I'm sure they keep them separate. No, I'm sure it's fine. Well, <laughs> it? we don't know, I, you know. And I would bet if we all raise our hands to, do you think they do that? We'd all say no. I think I know I would. I would say yeah. no. I, I think if anything, it's the other way. An IRB says, Hey, we're going to work with you. You're going to utilize our other systems, right? You're going to use. I mean, it's it's a great selling point, right? I mean, we got it all, man. Just come to yep. us. We'll take we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's probably their marketing firm, and I'm not sure if their marketing firm understands the logistics of what exactly is going on. Yep. yep. I, I mean, I'm sure OHRP somewhere, some way has a policy for this. I mean, but I got a question. I don't have an answer. In the case of federally funded research, OHRP administrates FWA and IRB. What compliance do FWA and IRB separately need to show in academic research or in private research for Mm -hmm. that matter? I have no idea. That's a good (laughs) question. I'd have to look it up. I know FWA has a number of things that you have to follow and especially with the filings with the IRB and whatnot, but uh, you'll see that in a lot of your oncology groups, but I don't know the answer right away. Speaking of FWA, are any of you running into the requirement to have that number to do studies with for particular studies? Because uh, only I, if you only if you're going to do receive government money. Yeah, yeah, only in that regard. One of the first studies uh, when I started my company was was an NIH funded study, yeah. and we did have to go. It was very easy to apply and and get the really. The number very simple, but since yeah. then I've had no one's asked and it's not come up at all. And I've, so I, I haven't pursued any other of those types of trials. So I occasionally have been asked by clients, Hey, how do I get this number? And I said, I don't know, mm-hmm. just Google it and I'm sure you can figure it out. But yeah. it's not something I've ever gotten. Yeah, it's not that complicated. Yeah, okay, it's not we common. Should video, we should do a video tutorial how to do it, how to do an um, FWA. Yeah. <laughs> It's really not that bad, although it does expire every once in a while. And I think that it's important to keep that updated because you are in a government database. Okay. So as site owners, we're all site owners here. How on a scale of one to 10, how worried are you about this trend in IRBs? Like getting involved in everything. And are you more worried about the IRBs getting involved in everything or the CROs getting involved in everything? Well, or the tech it, vendors getting involved in everything. I, I guess my what I would compare this to is government. I don't want overreaching government and I don't want overreaching IRBs. Right. I mean, keeping your lane. I mean, it's, it's a necessary. So this is where the, the comparison ends. But it's why keep your lane when you get the whole freeway? It's, it's a necessary <laughs> evil, right? Government, in my opinion, is a necessary evil, right? I just think it is. IRB, is it, I, I don't, wouldn't use that expression. It's not a necessary evil. It's just flat necessary. And, it, and it's to avoid evil, right? The purpose is to avoid evil. So that's where, again, the comparison ends. But it, it's propagating evil when it's getting into all these other aspects, potentially. And that's the problem. 
certainly setting the stage for the opportunity, right? Whether or not, you know, again, I'm, look, I'm sometimes a jerk, but I'm generally an optimist, generally try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But again, it's certainly setting the table for the opportunity to be too sweet at some point to not take advantage of those, you know, those opportunities that arise when you own everything. Exactly. Um, I don't know that I'm worried, I guess, per se. I, I do hate that there are especially like new sites that get sort of bullied maybe into these relationships because I've seen it here, you know, in Oklahoma City where there's not a lot of research. They get hooked up with these uh, brokers. They get sort of stuck in some sort of exclusivity and they can't even negotiate to help themselves. And, you know, ultimately, again, it's a very short-sighted model for for these guys because they're basically going to eventually put sites in bad positions, new sites. And a lot more people are going to give up. They're not going to be as, as uh, you know, financially viable and it gets bad for the whole ecosystem. But, you know, on the other hand, I used a broker in the beginning. I worked with a couple and they worked okay. But you know what? The second I could get away from using them, I did. So it was just a matter of I need something now. I put it in my hand. Great. Goodbye. You know, so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think I've, I still am mixed on you know, how worried I am in, in terms of what the fallout could be. Well, so here, my concern is becoming a bully, right? Um, and to a degree, that's kind of what I felt like I was running into somebody, some, an institution. You were bullied, Chris. I saw the email thread. You were bullied. Right. And, <laughs> and not only, not only, and I, I know you're joking, but to a degree no, it was. Serious. Yeah. And, and not only am I being bullied, but it, then in, by extension, so is the site, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not being allowed to make the money they should be allowed to make. The, what to me, what this really translated to, and if I'm wrong, you know, please let me know. I, I don't think there was any confidentiality breach personally. Um, sponsors don't care about this. I mean, they would prefer you didn't share budgets, right? But where is that a confidentiality breach when everybody's working on the same protocol, right? If they just don't want you sharing numbers because it's a business and they don't want to pay you more unless they have to, right? They prefer to pay you as little as possible. But what, what sponsors often forget is if the sites feel like they're being treated well, they're going to work a little better for you. They're going to they're work a little harder for you. If, if they're getting paid well to do the work, then they're going to want to do the work. They're going to get all the patients they possibly can for you if they think they're being paid well. And that's what this really boils down to that I think is overlooked by sponsors and all other entities involved. And it's not just because I own a site and everybody here owns a site. It's just that's the facts. If you can make money doing the work, you're going to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's been a lot of what you described has been invasive in a lot of the industry because of the lack of transparency. And so, of course, yeah. they want to continue that lack of transparency. I've been part of, you know, supposed site-focused, you know, groups, large groups, where I've been shouted down as violating confidentiality for sponsors. And I'm like, I thought we were sites. We're all on the same, we're all on the same boat here. I'm not violating mm -hmm. confidentiality. We're you know, talking, you know, amongst each other as sites. I'm, I'm honoring my, my CDA to our overlords in, in big pharma. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, it's like, it's like having a job where they said, you better not discuss your salary with your colleagues. Well, what reason would they possibly have to do that? So mm -hmm. that, 
you know, they can screw <laughs> at least half of you over, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. again, that's why I'm, I'm all for like radical transparency to start knocking these, these things down because, you know, it's again, they're just, well, they're and again, to be fair to the sponsors, there is a reason they have confidentiality. They don't want, you know, Pfizer doesn't want you taking their product and go over, over to Janssen and saying here, how of much course. for this, right? I'll help you you know, uh, reverse engineer this product for you. Yeah. But you know, right? we could actually reverse the, I mean, how many of us know for a fact that there's a large CRO out there who takes our data and puts it in their database and sells that to the highest bidder for a budget. Uh, so that by me again, whole, I, I don't think I caught what you're. They're the saying, don't share, don't share with sites, don't share the cost, but they do it on a global level in a giant database together. So okay. how in the world can a sponsor tell you you're breaching confidentiality by sharing these numbers when they, they do it every single day? Everything you give them goes into a database and it's going to generate how your next budget's going to go. Sure. So yeah. don't, I mean, for one, I wouldn't worry about that. For two, if it really was a big, the big B word in law, then you wouldn't just be shut off like that. There would be other things happening. So that's, that's just like what I called it before, the broken taillight syndrome. Sure. And finally, this is the one thing that I am worried about is just this. If you don't do what we say, we're not going to work with you anymore. That's a monopoly. And mm -hmm. that could compromise your sites and your patients. And importantly, I think it's actually going to, in a way, if you're not careful, it could actually punish sites for seeking the help they need to do their job. That well, is what worries me. So, you know, at the end here, um, I don't think who, at least this particular broker, I don't think they're punishing who they think they're punishing, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, I think effectively the sponsor. Exactly. I think effectively they're they're punishing the sponsor. They're not yeah. punishing the yeah. sites. They're but punishing the person the who made that decision is probably a power hungry dude who was just like, "I'll show him." I'll sure. You know. Well, so the I mean, consequences effect, are way down the road. Right. And yeah, I mean, it is punishing them to a degree if a broker has to pay more to the mm -hmm. site, right? They're making less money. So it is punishing them, but ultimately it's punishing the sponsor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. That's honestly, Dan, that's my biggest fear about what's going on here is, you know, <laughs> We came in here as an ethics committee. The ethics committee, they're obviously successful. Look at all of the companies they bought out. So they must be making money. And they're just turning into these conglomerates that completely defy the reason why they were an ethics committee. Mm -hmm. funny, funny enough, right? It's kind of actually humorous if you think about it. At least it is to me. Who benefits besides patients? Because that's the obvious. Who benefits from there being more sites, not less. Because if we keep heading down this path, there's going to be less sites. There's more homogenous. Mm -hmm. If everyone joins a network, you basically have less in independent sites, more or less, uh, working by themselves. So well, who benefits from less sites? Well, so what I find humorous here is probably sponsors because they hate sites to begin with, really. They'd rather not work with sites because um, they have to pay them. I don't think that's true anymore, though. I think that used to be true. I think that's no, I think it's. I think it still is true because it costs them money to do research, right? What they'd prefer is at least what they think they would, at least I think, stepping into their shoes, what they would prefer is to work with this conglomerate Let's just get the research done at, at 
the least dollar possible and just get it done and over with, right? Let's meet the FDA requirements, which, you know, again, I don't want to start a tangent here, but I think the FDA has been purchased and bought off too after, after COVID, <laughs> after COVID. I mean, well, be before honest, COVID, well, before, COVID, well, yeah. I think COVID absolutely demonstrates that there's been a, many agencies, three letter governmental agencies that, that have been bought off CDC, FDA, to name a couple in no way, no way. We're not getting shadow banned. You guys got some, Kahana's coming out. Yeah, you're, gonna, you're, gonna get, you're gonna get me put on a list somewhere now. <laughs> if I get a, you know, if the FBI uh, knocks on. on my door, Chris. I'm gonna be like, you know. Well, I, I hope you all are uh, advocates of. Well, anyhow, actually, so does this actually mirror like pharma, big pharma? No one's gonna accuse them of not being corrupt at some level. Does this mirror big pharma's glass door or? revolving door into the FDA and back to the board of companies. Does this IRB vertical horizontal integration kind of mirror? Aren't they just copying the blueprint that's already been laid out? The one thing pharma didn't do is go to patient direct to patients. They're afraid of that, but they've done everything else. Yeah. I mean, I made a post very, very shallow, you know, not very deep post about, you know, WCG is out there. There's records. I mean, they're lobbying, they're lobbying the government. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, whether that's you know what that's for, I guess is, is hard to say. But uh, though, yeah, there's they're definitely doing what they can to, to you know. Continue so they're lobbying. I didn't know IRBs are lobbying now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's on. Those are open records. You know, you can you can wow. search for. Like I was bored uh, one night and just started looking for companies that were on there and noticed it. You know, yeah, some IRBs are on there. I found it sort of surprising, but I guess maybe that's naive of me to uh, to think. You know, do you recall any yeah. other IRBs that are on there? There's a couple. I mean, you you'll you know the two the two that were that were there. Well, that's the thing. There's not like not much of a diverse marketplace for sponsors looking for a central IRB. There's three of them. You know, <laughs> there used to be more. I mean, we're working with a, a smaller one now that I hope can get bigger, um, mm-hmm. and maybe they'll get bought out too. <laughs> like that's that's been the issue also it's like it's kind of is a monopoly i mean at the ethics level and i guess that's the biggest issue here besides the bullying of sites is do we want a monopoly overseeing patient safety and research well uh, it sounds I like guess... umbrella company with resident evil you know just kind of <laughs> do everything <laughs> Can, can you, I mean, I can name a probably, um, I, I don't know how many of these IRBs have been purchased or bought out, but I could probably name about 10 IRBs. And I know there's yeah. probably a thousand out there. But... We met one of the founders of one that got bought out. Right. And she said right. they made her offer. She can't refuse. And that's it. Like, sure. So, I mean, how many IRBs? do sites really work with? I mean, 90% of all studies are probably in terms of IRBs that are probably ran by three IRBs, 90% kind of like how, and what are those three IRBs? They're Advera, WCG, and what would be the other? Those are only two that are coming to mind. Used to be Copernicus. Yeah, I mean, but they were working with Alpha. By, but, but they were purchased by somebody, Copernicus. Is CGIRB the same as Copernicus? Because that's a big one. CGIRB. 
Well, I mean, I can only think of two right now, WCG and Advera. Let us other? know in the comments other ones, guys. I know Brad's got to run. Any last yeah, words, WCG Brad? Is, WCG is not Western Copernicus. Right. Well, then CIG. Did they purchase CIG? Didn't WCG purchase Yeah, they're CIG? Western Copernicus sure. Group. And that maybe I'm thinking of another one or the same one, CGIRB. Maybe, but maybe that is Copernicus Group IRB. I mean, it's like... Yeah. It's like Akivia and PPD are the two largest CROs, right? And they're they're on half of all studies out there. And PPD is now Thermo Fisher, but yeah, and then Cineos yeah. too. Cineos. But I think Icon Icon oh, Cineos, got bigger when they one. Icon took over PRA and became one of the big guys. True. Yeah. So you have like four CROs that are running seventy five percent of the studies out there, right? So yeah, same yeah. thing with the IRBs. You have like three, I think, and I just can't think of another one. Three um, and then a long tail of like if you exclude local IRPs, like three and then there's like a long tail, three or four, and then there's a long tail of like smaller ones, like mm-hmm. a small to medium sized one, which I actually hope can gain more traction. But uh, my point is, is you already have this being whittled down to to almost a conglomerate of one yeah. company, right? Yeah. In terms yeah. of both CROs and IRBs. Yeah, because it wasn't that and long sites, ago that we actually really. had more. It's happening and with sites. sites. Yeah. And it's happening in healthcare with private practices. Like mm-hmm. large hospital systems are taking yep. over. In my town alone, it's like very hard to find an independent doctor. It's Most of them are Yuma Regional Medical Center. So yep. this is not a, a problem exclusive to research, but you know, it's one that we focus on because we're in, we're in this industry and yeah. we kind of see the trend and who knows, maybe finds a way to work out, work itself out. Maybe they self police themselves really well. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they take it seriously and take their responsibility seriously. And, or maybe they try to maximize profits or maybe they can do both. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I just, it is a fine line and I really, I am worried about the balance of power, the balance of power. um, It's at risk with something like this. It's like dealing with uh, radioactive material, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's like, they may have good intentions. They may be trying to do this to make things better, but greed is inherent in people. And that's all there's to it. All you need is one wrong executive to make one wrong decision because he sees a potential for more revenue with all the things that is owned, like what Brad was saying. And then you're going to have a problem unless there is very clear, documented, justified, and audited reason to demonstrate that they are doing it differently. Do you think tech can kind of, interestingly enough, we used to think of tech as like the enemy of sites. I'm kind of seeing them as an ally lately, not just because Viva sponsors the show, but if you empower sites, and these tech companies are like well capitalized too, if you empower sites, to do their job better and those same tools sponsors can plug into seamlessly. Like you don't necessarily need as many middlemen. Like you can argue a world where you don't really need a CRO as much um, with, if every site gets on e-source and e-reg and every sponsor is using TMF and everyone's got remote access to everything. um, And then e-pros and ICFs which the tech vendors are doing that. Do you think that is actually a good thing for sites um, in this era of mega conglomerates and 
or will this middleman kind of always exist, unfortunately? Well, what's the main complaint by sites in terms of all these different vendors? It's just the headache of dealing with different vendors, right? Having different right. passwords, all these emails and everything else, right? It's just time consuming. So the desire out there is for one conglomerate that controls everything. So it makes it easier on sites. I think where you don't want that line blurred is probably with IRBs. So I think it's fine if, if there's a conglomerate to a degree, because I think it makes life easier on the sites. If, you know, you have the IVRS or IWRS or whatever it's called. It's IRT IRT. now. IRT. Right, IRT. I keep forgetting what it's called. But if you have the IRT, the EDC, and pretty much everything else is all rolled up into one platform. Yeah. Right? Single the electronic on. source. Everything's rolled up into one, so it's one-time entry, and it just goes to all the platforms, right? It's headed there, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's actually desired by the sites and probably yeah. a sponsor too, right? Sure. I just think it makes life easier for everybody. But I think where you're crossing a line is when you have the IRB that's involved in all that too, because again, it's not it's not doing exclusively exclusively what it's designed to do, and that's protect the patient. And I think that should be its sole and only role. Core competency. Core competency. Not not just core competency, only competency. Right? There's a difference between core and only. Right? So let's just leave that alone and have it only do that. Because otherwise you're crossing the line. I mean, again, I don't think we'll ever return, hopefully, to a Nuremberg or a Tuskegee incident. But it's always possible. So let's just not even... Let's not even begin to blur that line. Let's just keep IRBs completely independent of these other things. So the way you do that is you, I think you need to set a standard. And that is, sure, IRB, you can have all these other revenue streams. But mm-hmm. if you're if you're going to be the IRB for us, that's the only thing you're going to do. If you're going to use one of those other revenue streams, that's the only thing you're going to do for us. You won't be the IRB. Do you think sites have the power if they unite? to no informally not formally but informally to spur no. on this change or this sites have little power the only power they would have is the selection of studies so once you say yeah i'm going to do the study that's you know you're going to use this the irb the sponsor chooses um you know and if sites are desperate you know if they really need the studies and they'll just take whatever then that that is where chris would say yeah you know we don't have power if sites came together and been, you know, like, you know, we, we uh, don't really believe in the ethics of this group or that group. And we, as a, as a whole, we're big enough that, you know, we don't need this study or that study and sponsors feel like they can't get the the study slots that they need to get their job done. Sponsors will choose the IRBs that the sites will. So it's, there's a route to do it so that sites could influence the decisions of IRB utilization but it's indirect and it would take a very good and collected uh, organization to do it. The problem is, is who's going to lead that, that charge. I just don't, I, 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 I think there's plenty of people who would lead the charge, but it's a matter of having 
the sites come together to a point where they would actually follow such a charge. Yeah, and I just don't think it would happen because you would have no. too many in, you'd have too many smaller sites who are like, "Ooh, they're coming to me with a study. We're research naive. <laughs> we get a study, <laughs> we'll do it." Right? Who cares what it's like people yeah. who cross the line at union uh, for a union a union thing. Right? Yeah. It happens and it yeah. would happen and it would even it happen would. more in this industry because there's a lot of research naive sites. Hey, Hamid, like I study. said that with ChatGPT. Hey, Amid, I think this could be started as a joke that could actually be reality by 2030. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's not that hard, you know, to analyze a protocol for safety, ethics, have a human look it over, of course, or have a board look it over. But why not? Why can't AI? Maybe that's another podcast. Mm -hmm. Any business owner, entrepreneur want to use AI to start an IRB? So I completely disagree <laughs> with this. I completely. Yeah, in completely 2023, yes. Me too. In 2023, yes, I do too. Yeah. But 2033. It's not ready. 2033. I mean, you've got, you've got machine learning who are, you know, they're physician assistants. They're helping physicians consider different diagnoses and things like that. You're already looking at FDA uh reviews of technology that is going to help guide diagnoses i mean machine learning and artificial learning and healthcare is already a thing sure it wouldn't be out of the ordinary or kind of even out of the box with that theory to apply it to an irb so the way the way chat gpt works is it basically is a it's a google system that googles google for you and comes to the overwhelming opinion of the things that it that it reviews on Google or through Google, right? That's the way ChatGPT works. So it comes to a well, consensus. Well, there's another opinion. element, though. It's it machine comes... learning also through it learns through the mm. questions, it, through the queries. Yeah, that's what makes it different. It's yeah. not so, just another index. I don't mean to offend anybody on here, uh, so hopefully I'm not. But don't worry. The view, the view, in my opinion, is not journalism, and it's not accurate for the most part. Oh, the, you're not offended. This program. <laughs> the, this it. program. So if you if you use ChatGBT and ask its opinion of the view, it says it's esteemed journalism. And it's neither of those things. So I just think that again, the fact that it takes into to account what Google, mm -hmm. the top articles on Google have to say is a problem, right? And, and it's machine learning is not up to human learning at this point right? oh, yeah, no. Where, yeah. yeah i was saying but 2033 maybe yeah matt it's... holt says ai might be easy for safety eval but i think it would struggle with balancing risk to patients versus potential benefit to society yep yep so now you're talking about the human factor you're spot on matt and that's so i've been a sub investigator on a number of machine learning trials i've gotten uh machine learning uh clinical research in through IRB submissions and exemptions and a lot of the data learning. And what you're saying is exactly what the boards are saying. This, is, this isn't new. This is what everyone's bringing up. And they're all saying, well, it's still in its infancy. Uh, mm -hmm. Even when you, know, you talk to the tech guys, yeah, I would not expect what we're developing today to handle what we're talking about it could develop. Like what Dan was saying, give it 10 years. And yeah, it's very possible. It can make everyone's lives easier. Well, uh, again, I don't want to start a tangent here, but when true AI exists, I think we're going to have problems, but that's where it needs to be in order for 
at least I would be comfortable with it being an IRB if this yeah. is if it were true AI, yeah. right? So, but I, I now think once, I'm hearing we should we should have a Terminator marathon, right? Well, I mean, even Elon Musk says his biggest fear is true AI, right? Yeah. And and so it, it would be mine as well because I think we are approaching potentially a Terminator type situation mm -hmm. with true AI. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something to watch out for the future. And you know, there's been sci-fi people who've been dreaming it for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. We'll do that. I've read, I've, I've read many a book uh, about true AI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think Elon well, has too. Well, I guess that's a good cliffhanger for another podcast. I just, I wanted to get this out there. I guess I just want the message to resonate with sites, like especially newer sites. Just pay attention to who you're getting the studies from. Ideally, you want to get it directly from the sponsor or the CRO. If there's a group that is not one of those two stakeholders be very careful and dan and i and i'm sure dan's even done more but dan and i for sure have done a number of videos on brokers and i'm sure dan's done many many more than what him and i have done and and i would agree i don't think i think a broker serves a purpose when you're new to research you and you even if you've been in research for a while and if a broker comes to you with a study that you're dying to get into a particular indication which is sometimes tough to do they can serve a purpose just read your contracts thoroughly and make sure you're not signing onto some 10-year contract with them and and like dr fox had said you're not getting a they're not getting a percentage of the all revenue generated at your site for some time being uh, that's ridiculous you just have to be really careful of working with that is brokers. ridiculous I mean, you but really have to be careful. If if it's, I mean, the one thing that I could say is, and I've seen this time and time again across the sites, I've read the contracts. Please, if you have anyone approaching you as a site trying to shackle you down, and by shackle you down, I mean lock you in for two years, even if you leave the network, take a percentage of your revenue, take 30% or mafia levels off the top, please... <laughs> No, I'm serious. It's out there. I love your passion, man. People are doing it and sites <laughs> are getting manipulated into agreeing to things that they don't understand. They they don't know what they're agreeing to. Please yeah. just yeah. seek alternatives. There's better ways. I mean, um, when Dan and I first started doing this consulting service, we we had people just begging us to be brokers. They so were get this. They were they were hey. I love the thousand a month. At the time, it was like five hundred a month. I love. No, it, it was a thousand. It was a thousand. Okay, a thousand. I love it, but come on, just like get the study. I'll pay you forty percent. You know, right? <laughs> Begging us to be brokers. So Dan and I, we developed a system like a broker that we felt comfortable with that wasn't taking advantage of sites, and and we got some studies for clients under this system and. As soon as they had to pay us, they hated it. I think it was like 10% or something. No, what what the deal was, they would get the budget that that was uh, provided by the sponsor. Oh, yeah, initially provided, yeah. Right. They would get that budget, and then we would negotiate in whatever, I think, whatever or half of whatever. I don't remember specifics because this was yeah. almost yeah, a yeah, decade yeah. ago. But We only tried on like five people. Yeah, it was either one, whatever. What ended up happening? Well, let me finish just so people understand. Right. Again, it was either whatever was negotiated above and beyond that initial contract or half we would share. And I think that's what it was. 
we would share whatever was negotiated above and beyond that initial contract. We would get half and the site would get half. I'm almost certain that's what the agreement was, but I could be wrong. So again, whatever was presented by the sponsor to begin with was the site's budget. And then we got half of whatever we negotiated above and beyond that was what we got paid. Or we got the entirety again. I can't remember it, for sure. Out, nobody cares, but what's the what's the final like we didn't even so, want to do this. We didn't right. want to do this. And the sites that begged like, right, us we'll for this, we did it with them, and then they were pissed off once they had to pay us. Yeah, they were pissed right? off at us when they had to pay us when we told when we them, told them don't do off. this. <laughs> You're gonna be pissed off at us. You're gonna hate us. And now so, we still get that uh request and we don't do it anymore. We just say, look. We've done yeah. it in the past. They hate us. You're going to hate us. We'd rather just charge you a monthly fee, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You'll be much yeah. happier later on. It might be tough in the beginning. If you can't yeah. afford us now, don't worry. Follow the videos on LinkedIn. Use Go get studies yourself. Yep. It but works much better. The point that I'm trying to make with this uh, is people don't like working with brokers. Oh. They think they want to until they do, and then they don't, right? Mm -hmm. So for most people, it's a bad experience. Um, and as Dr. Fox was saying, be very careful of brokers. And I would agree. If it's just, there's some reasonably good brokers, in my opinion, in terms of it's just one study you're signing off with them. They make it abundantly clear what you're paying them. They're not, they're not charging you too much. I've heard of brokers that it's 10% of just the total study of patients enrolled. It's not the total contract. It's 10%. I think that's a little high, but at least you know what you're getting yourself into and they're not taking advantage of you with future studies. I think that's okay as so long as you're aware of what the what they're taking from you and you're comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, and they negotiate your budget for you too, which is also sometimes reasonable because a lot of these you sites guys, if they're naive don't understand how to negotiate. You guys are going to crack up, man. It's a great way to end. I'll let Dr. Fox have the last words. Check this out. I just got this text message right now. Can't make this up. My name is XXX. I'm a something for a small CRO, and we are looking for a study broker. Let me know your availability for a quick call. <laughs> so the demand is there. And back to the original point, who can fault <laughs> the big IRBs for going to where the demand is. The I'm not one there. to knock it, you know, but I just find it questionable when you call yourself an ethics committee and you're engaging in questionable ethical things. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The potential. The potential for questionable ethics. Yes. It, it's there with the wrong leadership. So the message I would like to end with, and I know Dr. Fox gets, gets the last word here, but I think it's reasonable if ethics committees stay away from these other revenue streams. And if they're working with a sponsor, it's one or the other. The other revenue streams or the IRB, pick one, right? So you're uh, telling uh, them to pick, you're telling them to pick between um, like to, to choose one to be noble or to choose the other. But if they, if they forego the lucrative one, they're making 90% less than what they're currently making. It's basically what you're telling them. I'm just saying don't blur the lines of ethics, right? If you're going to be oh, an yeah. ethics committee with a sponsor, <laughs> be that. If you're going to do something else with the sponsor, fine, do that, but don't do the ethics as well. You can't yeah. do. You can't have both. Just pick and Sponsors one. are like drug addicts. They're like, no, no, we need both. Man. Yeah, we, we want don't everything. want both. It's we like need this both. <laughs> it's like this XXX person saying, hey, uh, we, we just heard you say uh, 
you know, you're opposed to being a broker. Hey, will you be yeah, a broker? One, one more hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it is, unfortunately. Dr. Fox, the floor is yours. Thank you guys both for joining for yep. such a long live stream, but important. I've, I've been in this industry for a while now. Um, and the first few years, it felt like I was alone at a site. I can understand why sites need things like this. Uh, I think 2023 is changing. You're seeing influencers like Dan, Chris, Brad. I'm trying uh, an entire group. We're growing up. I don't think you have to feel alone anymore. I really don't. And if you do, I mean, reach out. Seriously, you've got people here who are willing to help. And they're willing to help without sending you much of a bill. So Mm -hmm. don't, you know, if you're alone, it's your fault. Yeah, true. Perfect. Well, thank you guys both. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Hopefully this is not the last time you hear from any of us. (laughs) Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.